Turn to Jeremiah chapter 15. Jeremiah was a prophet that wasn't well received. Were there any that were? Well, Jeremiah had some particular difficulties and problems, so much so that he despaired at a number of times during his ministry, and this was one of them. Uh, Because of the persecution, because of the lack of results. Well, anyway, in verse 19, the Lord says to him, Therefore, thus says the Lord, If you return, then I will restore you. Before me you will stand. And if you extract the precious from the worthless, you will become my spokesman. They for their part may turn to you, but as for you, you must not turn to them. But I want to zero in on this little... um, phrase or sentence here, and if you extract the precious from the worthless, you will become my spokesman. Now that was particularly spoke to Jeremiah, but I think there's a principle there for each one of us as we seek to be witnesses for Christ. We must extract the precious from the worthless if we're going to be God's spokesman, God's witness in this life. Let's pray here once again before we go on. Father, we ask that you would speak to us tonight from this verse and other thoughts from your word, that it might be profitable for our souls. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Last Sunday in our communion time, David Kelly shared some thoughts related to the precious blood of Christ. And I thought I would pick up on that theme and uh, contrast what the Bible calls precious things and worthless things. We see in this verse that we are to extract the precious from the worthless. And in King James, I think the word worthless there is vile. We have to extract the precious from the vile if we will become God's spokesman. And like I said, I believe that applies to all of us. Although we're not all called to be prophets in that sense, we are all called to be witnesses for Christ. And if we're going to do that, we must extract the precious from the worthless. Now, the idea there is that the precious and the worthless are intermixed in this world. Since the fall, that's the case. The precious and the worthless things are intermixed, and we have to discern between what's precious and what's worthless and divide out, separate out, what is precious from what is worthless. We need to discern, for instance, between truth and error. We need to be able to tell the difference between flesh and spirit, between the holy and the profane. Some things are worthy of our utmost attention, the precious things. Some things, by comparison, are quite worthless. And if they are all we live for, we'll find that they are ultimately of no value. 
David prayed this prayer in Psalm 119.37. He said, Turn away my eyes from looking at vanity, from looking at the worthless things. What he was saying, or what he was praying, was that God would help him to discern and divide between what's empty and foolish and purposeless in this life and what's really important. Turn away my eyes from looking at vanity. So, what are some of the things that the Bible calls worthless or vain, and what are some of the things that the Bible calls precious? That's what we're going to look at here just briefly tonight. First of all, the worthless or the vain. Now, these are the things, what I'm going to point out here, and this is just a few of things from the Bible. This is what the Bible calls worthless, not what the world calls worthless. They can call some of these things precious. But the Bible says, no, that's not what they really are. So, first of all, as, as far as the first overall category, I would say that the Bible says an uh, preoccupation or an overall preoccupation with temporal things living for the things of this life only, the Bible says, is ultimately worthless. And uh, you have the example of what Solomon said there in Ecclesiastes chapter 2. I said to myself, Come now, I will test you with pleasure. This is one example of a worthless thing. If you give yourself only to this, worldly pleasure. Come now, I will test you with pleasure. So enjoy yourself, and behold... It, too, was futility, it was vanity, it was empty, he said. I said of laughter, it is madness and of pleasure. What does it accomplish? Well, that's, that's Solomon in Ecclesiastes, but really that's what John's talking about in the New Testament in 1 John chapter 2, when he says, Love not the world, nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And then he tells what he's talking about. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. The world is passing away and also its lust, but the one who does the will of God lives forever. So, the idea of worldly pleasure, giving yourself over to just worldly pleasure, that is a worthless thing. Um, now, there are many beautiful and pleasurable things in this world that God has put here for our enjoyment if we receive them with gratitude to God. But selfish, selfish indulgence takes wonderful things and spoils them and makes them worthless things. So, under this overall preoccupation with temporal things, we have worldly pleasure, but we also have worldly wisdom. The Bible is very clear on that. Worldly wisdom, which exalt, exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Paul says in 1 Corinthians, The Lord knows the reasonings of the wise that they are useless. They're worthless, you see, useless. Uh, the wisdom of this world is foolishness before God. I will do, he goes on, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. And in Proverbs we're told, There is no wisdom and no understanding and no counsel against the Lord. The fact is that great scholars are often great sinners because they use their wisdom or they try to use their so-called wisdom to contradict the truth of God. That's foolish. That's a waste. Now again, don't, I don't want to be misunderstood here in this category of worldly wisdom. 
to know how to build a house or to set a broken bone or to set the table is not necessarily worldly wisdom. Uh, I've always been impressed with that section of uh, Scripture there in Exodus where God gave this man Bezalel, well, however you say his name, B-A-Z-A-L-E-L, gave him a special uh, anointing of wisdom. It says, I have filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom, in understanding, in knowledge, and in all kinds of craftsmanship to make artistic designs for work in gold and silver and bronze and in cutting stones for settings and in carving wood that he may work in all kinds of craftsmanship. That's a wisdom, you see, a special... There's nothing worldly about certain kinds of craftsmanship uh, if it's used properly for God's glory. There's wisdom needed for many kinds of things in this life that we would not necessarily call spiritual. That doesn't mean it's worldly wisdom unless it's used against God or if that's all we're living for. Uh, Let me give you an example. Lately here, I've been occupied with roofing my house. I mean, you get up in the morning and you're thinking about how much can you get done today if it doesn't rain? Uh, I've been occupied with roofing my house, and it takes wisdom to know how to do this, and I'm thankful for someone who knows what they're doing up there, and it's not me. <laughs> uh, that's not necessarily worldly wisdom. It's good wisdom. It's helpful wisdom. In fact, to neglect things like this is counter to God's wisdom. We're told in Ecclesiastes, again, 10.18, through indolence the rafters sag, and through slackness the house leaks. I mean, he's saying, don't be dumb about this. Fix your roof when it needs it. Well, but the thing is, if that's all I'm living for, to have a beautiful house... That's foolish. That's worthless. What shall it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Now here's something I want to share with you that I think is helpful in this. And that is men do not usually knowingly make a choice between heaven and hell. They choose between heaven and earth And choosing earth, they end up in hell. Okay. Men do not usually knowingly make a choice between heaven and hell. They choose between heaven and earth, and choosing earth, they end up in hell. And the reason for that is... Even legitimate concerns of this life become sinful if they take priority over the things of God. So what we're saying here is that we must separate out the precious from the worthless all around us each day if we are to become God's spokesman, like he told Jeremiah there. Life lived only for things under the sun, which 
Solomon talks about, is ultimately worthless. Now, I want to go on to the second category because some people realize this. They say this there's got to be more. They realize the uh, futility of just living for things under the sun. And they look to religion to give some kind of transcendental uh, value to life, something that will give lasting and, and lasting value and purpose to their life. So the next category under this area of worthless things is religion. Now, that may sound somewhat strange, but the Bible is very clear on this. First of all, we're told that idolatry is worthless. Jeremiah 10:14. Every man is stupid, devoid of knowledge. Every goldsmith is put to shame by his idols. For his molten images are deceitful, and there is no breath in them. They are worthless, a work of mockery. In the time of their punishment, they will perish. Well, you might say, well, yeah, that was a long time ago uh, when they were making idols. But uh, John says in his letter, little children, speaking to Christians, little children, keep yourselves from idols. That means that's a problem for us. God had it very clearly right there at the end of that letter so we wouldn't miss it. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. We're going to have to separate the worthless the precious and the worthless. And you're going to have to take the precious out of the worthless and keep them separate, or you're going to be, you won't be God's spokesman. So, idolatry is worthless. False religion is worthless. And they go right together, really. And this is Jeremiah 18:15. For my people have forgotten me. They burn incense to worthless gods. And they have stumbled from their ways, from the ancient paths, to walk in bypaths, not on a highway. Jesus said it this way in the New Testament. He said, um, uh, he spoke of certain people who worship in vain, uh, teaching as doctrines the precepts of men. So you have idolatry, you have false religion being worthless, and then you even have the correct form of religion as worthless if the heart is set on sin. In other words, you can have this correct outward form of worship, everything just the way it should be, and yet if your heart's not right, if your heart's set on sin, that's still worthless. Uh, Again, uh, let me just quote uh, Isaiah here. This is 113. Bring your worthless offering no longer. Incense is an abomination to me. New moon and Sabbath, the calling of assemblies. I cannot endure iniquity in the solemn assembly. I hate your new moon festivals and your appointed feasts. They've become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. Now, the thing to recognize about that is that the things that are mentioned here are things that God said they should do. God said, I hate them when you do them. Because of the hard attitude, there was sin uh, predominant in these people's lives, and yet they went through the external things the way God said, the Sabbath and all these assemblies and things. He even talks about prayer being an abomination. So we're talking about religion being worthless, idolatry, false religion, and even correct as far as the external form 
being worthless. And you can even go even a step further, and this is what's so amazing, we're told in the New Testament, that even true spiritual gifts profit nothing apart from the love of God and the love of others. Even true spiritual gifts. That's what he's talking about. He says, if I speak with the tongues of men and of angels but do not have love, I become a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. Gift of prophecy. Know all mysteries. All knowledge. If I have all faith. He's talking about faith. So as to remove mountains but do not have love. I'm nothing. If I give all my possessions. Here's self-sacrifice, you know. If I give all my possessions to feed the poor. And if I surrender my body to be burned but do not have love, it profits me nothing. In other words, it's worthless. That's what he's saying. It's worthless without love. So... One other category here under this area of worthless religion. Faith without works is worthless. James tells us this. Even so, faith, if it has no works, is dead, being by itself. Then he says, but are you willing to recognize, you foolish fellow, that faith without works is useless? It's useless. It's worthless. And then he says it may be a little bit different before that. Um, religion that does not change our outward behavior, especially our speech, is worthless. James 1.26, If anyone thinks himself to be religious, yet does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this man's religion is worthless. So I say again, we must extract the precious from the worthless if we are to be God's spokesman. So we've looked at the worthless. Let's look at the precious. What is precious then? Well, I've said some things about faith that may think there's no value there, but that's not true. Genuine faith is precious to God. Let's look this one up. 1 Peter 1, 6. <clears throat> First Peter chapter 1 and verse 6 and 7. In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials, that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So he's talking about a faith that is proved genuine because of going through trials, and that's precious to God, that type of faith. So a genuine faith is precious to God. And we said that worldly wisdom is worthless, that kind of wisdom that would exalt itself against God, but godly wisdom is precious. We're told that many times in the scriptures, but maybe the most predominant place is in Proverbs. Proverbs 3.13, How blessed is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding, for her profit is better than the profit of silver and her gain better than fine gold. She is more precious, talking about godly wisdom, she is more precious than jewels and nothing you desire compares with her. 
Proverbs 20:15. There is gold and an abundance of jewels, but the lips of knowledge are more are a more precious thing. So, godly wisdom and godly knowledge—that's something that's precious. Another thing that the Bible tells us is precious is time. We need to redeem the time, buy up the time, the opportunities of the moment. Time is too precious to waste. Why is that? Well, because what we weave in time, we wear in eternity. And life is a vapor. These are all just scriptural concepts. We're not certain how long we have here on earth. And when our time is past, we can't recover it. So time is precious, you see. One person said, lost time is never found. Time is precious. Another thing that the Bible tells us are precious are people. People are precious, and their souls are precious. We need to remember this as we walk through the streets of Kirksville. People are made in the image of God, and though fallen, they're still precious. Every person has a soul that will never die. You could put it this way. All the material world is worthless compared to the worth of a soul. What shall it, again, what shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? The redemption, we're told in Psalm 49, 8, the redemption of the soul is costly. It's precious. It's a precious thing. The redemption of the soul is costly. What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Well, that brings up the next precious thing, and this is the one that David talked about on Sunday, the precious blood of Christ. We're not redeemed by perishable things like silver and gold, but with the precious blood of a lamb unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. Martin Luther said one drop of Christ's blood is worth more than heaven and earth. And the fact is the only way that we can get from earth to heaven is through the blood of Christ. That's why it's so precious. Along that same line, we're told in the scriptures that Christ himself is precious, especially to the Father. Peter says, We have come to Christ as to a living stone rejected by men, but choice and precious in the sight of God. Christ is choice and precious in the sight of God. And God's said a number of times in the, in the scriptures in the New Testament, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. So Christ is precious to God the Father and to every believer. That's in 1 Peter 2.7. This precious value then is for you who believe. The precious value of Christ. Not precious to the world, but to every believer. He's precious beyond anything else. This precious value then is for you who believe. So, genuine Faith, I'm just going to kind of repeat them here. Genuine faith is precious. God's wisdom is precious. We should buy the truth and not sell it. Time is precious. We need to redeem it. People are precious. The redemption of the soul is costly. 
And above all, Christ is precious. That's why we'll sing, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain. God has granted us in Him precious and magnificent promises. And the amazing thing is, as we believe these promises and live for Christ, everything about our lives becomes precious to God. We'll look this one up. Isaiah 43. And, uh, well, good to start at the beginning of the chapter, but let's just break in at verse 3. God says, For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I have given Egypt as your ransom, Cush and Seba in your place, since you are precious in my sight, since you are honored and I love you. I will give other men in your place and other people in exchange for your life. Precious in his sight. Even, we're told in the Bible, even our death is precious to God. Psalm 116.15 Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his godly ones. So, to sum up then, what is vain for men without God is made valuable for men with God. No Christian lives a vain or worthless life. Even seemingly insignificant things done for Christ have great value. Little things are great things when done for God. What's worthless when done for self is precious when done for Christ. And here's the one I like most of all. Christ is in the business of making worthless things precious. Aren't you glad about that? May God then help us to daily extract the precious from the worthless. We have this promise here given to Jeremiah, but I believe it's a principle that if we'll do that, if we'll extract the precious from the worthless, we will become his spokesman. Well, let's pray. Father, we pray that you would help us daily to be about this business of extracting the precious from the worthless. Keep us from being deceived in this, which happens so easily if we get our eyes off of you and your word. Help us, Father. We ask for discernment, clarity, courage to do what you told Jeremiah to do, just to extract the precious from the worthless. We ask it in Jesus' name.